It's the Creates Happiness Podcast with Nadine, MJ, and Marnie. Come on, sit down. Join the girl talk. That is the description of Hawaii guests and visitors. The confidence and the I don't care attitude is so powerful. You know, they're like cellulite. Sure. I don't (laughs) care. Three crazy wahinis talking whatevers. But it's kind of funny because Hawaii is all about joking on everybody. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're Korean, Portuguese, whatever. Everybody gets teased. Yeah. Everybody. It's the Creates Happiness Podcast. I'm a bee like tourist. They know something. Or something. Yeah, they don't care. Available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Tune in every Friday and let us know what you think. If you have any questions, show topics, hit us up at createhappinesspodcast at gmail.com. And that's Create Happiness with a Y. Thank you for joining us. Creates Happiness Podcast with Nadine, MJ, and Marnie. If you have any questions or show topics, hit us up at Creates Happiness Podcast at gmail.com. That's Creates Happiness with a Y Podcast at gmail.com. How's it going? It's Creates Happiness Podcast. You're hanging out with MJ, Marnie, Nadine, and we have a special guest. She's yes, an amazing do. person. Oh yes, my goodness. Yes, we do. Can I just say, she's not only... Korean, which I'm so proud of, you know, like Korean sisters. <laughs> but um, the fact is that she's a comedian yeah. and how she got there is she has like this crazy story. And I mean, there's some sadness to it and some oh. happy happiness to it. So we yeah. want to hear all about it. Her name is Simone Park. Yay! Yay! Good morning. Welcome to my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most people spell it S-I-M-O-N-E. Is that it? And then you put two M's? Oh, I didn't. Um, Oh, okay. But um, in my mind, I think it's because they were so Christian, like such serious Korean Christians, and they spelt it out and counted. (laughs) S-M-O-N-E is six, 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 mark of beast. You could not have that. That's hilarious. Yeah. So it funny. looks too much like Simon with a silent E. Add the extra M, please. Yeah. Just do like a typical morning Zoom meeting. Yeah, hello, everybody. I'm so glad we're all here. <laughs> like, hey, everyone, how are we? How many of us brushed our teeth yet? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Not yet. Did my makeup, but I didn't do <laughs> But anyways, we are okay. learning. <laughs> Simone, let's talk about your journey. I want to know how you got to comedy from such a, like tragedies that happen into your life. Like you've had, you've experienced a lot and, you know, to turn it around and make it funny. It's like, it's crazy. Sometimes it's a hit or miss, you know, I, for whatever reason, keep trying to make rape real funny and uh, often lose the audience. Oh, but I keep trying. <laughs> Which is kind of ironic how they make it taboo because I'm going to say right now and it's on record and whoever's listening, you know, shut up and listen. Comedians (laughs) do not apologize for our art. And I don't give a shit what you think about comedy. Comedians are not responsible to be politically correct on stage, to be uh, appropriate on stage. They are taking satire on each and every topic in their own perspective and uniqueness 
and they are presenting it to you in an art form that is called stand-up comedy. Yes, so fuck true. off if you can't handle it. Yes. You know, Ooh, Marty with the mic drop. Yes. I'm <laughs> so caveat, sick of it. Caveat, I am from Canada, so I apologize for everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry about that. Should be, so, should, we should have a shirt. Funny over feelings. Hello. Funny over yeah, feelings. It, <laughs> yeah. Something, you know. Hashtag. And then, <laughs> hashtag shut up. You know, it's yeah. like, let it, let us be comedians you know it's like you guys are constantly judging but you go on simone tell us your story. yeah let's so i want to hear all about it i want to hear about it what part of canada are you from uh, i was born and raised in toronto which is nice. not pronounced toronto you definitely if you want to oot yourself as being uh, not from there uh you would say toronto uh, but we actually say more like Tron. Remember that old Tron. Tron. Okay. Tron. Yeah, Tron. Tron with an O. Toronto. Toronto. Oh, oh that's how you Toronto. say it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nice. And um, so what did you, how did you like leave Toronto? What, what were you doing? Oh God. Uh, which time? I mean, I kind of, my first time getting on an airplane, I was 15. Um, my oldest friend my best friend we met on the first day of French immersion because it's Canada so we start French early um yeah we uh you know her her parents were divorced and her father lived in uh, Europe and we got reconnected one day and she was like do you want to come to Europe with me and so I asked my parents and they were like yeah, we think this is going to be a really good education for her. So we got to, I got to spend every summer as a teenager in England and Italy with my nice. What? Nice. Lucky girl. Yeah. I know. We fucked shit up over there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no drinking age for women. Um, you know, we were in Northern England and like parts of Italy where, literally just drinking, smoking cigarettes, like going to clubs. And we just, you know, figured that, oh no, we own this place now. This, this yeah. is our, like, we are the pimps now. And <laughs> she just described Eva Beach in the nineties. Oh my God. <laughs> Bless your heart. But yours is oh, far yeah. more better food. Oh yeah. yeah exactly. England and Italy. What? Look I at you just tripping out. You know, I went to Maui. Oh my God. <laughs> but did you get to shoot something? Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. No. Maui. We just stayed at grandma's house and drank crush from a bottle in oh. the backyard. That was about it. That was the extent of that. That was a big deal. That was a big moment. No green though. bottles. Was, you didn't drink yeah, any no. green bottles, huh? No, unless it was Sprite or seven up. Then yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was very mellow compared to that. Man, that is, yeah, that's that just amazing. trips me out. Wow, that's so great. But was, you went from like doing that kind of stuff. And then I guess, did that spark your interest into like doing the type of work you were doing afterwards? Um, it definitely sparked my interest in travel because now I knew there was a much bigger world outside of this, mm -hmm. outside of Canada and outside of, you know, Ontario, Canada. So I definitely caught the travel bug then. And um, I decided to take international business uh, for university or college, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, 
because specifically because you got to do a year abroad in a country, you had to take a new language and you had to do a year of university in that language. So oh, wow. where that's the primary language. Where'd you that's go? So cool. Where did you, where did you end up? I chose Germany because wow. when you experience uh, a lot of white supremacy as a child, you definitely make more life more difficult by <laughs> going to the root <laughs> of all of that. Because yeah. if you're like, I don't know the true purity of yeah. racism. So let's go right We're to started. Germany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, guys, I like looking back and having been in Hawaii and doing therapy now for a couple of years, I have made my life so difficult for myself. Oh, wow. <laughs> by yes. choice, by choice too, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so funny. Oh but it was so profound <laughs> when you made those choices. <laughs> like, she got hey, to travel so many different places. I mean, like, I, uh, yeah. I heard the stories of her being in Egypt and just like, didn't you say that you went to Egypt with your She's like, um, hold on, let me get my boyfriend <laughs> and um, at that time. And she was working for a company where she traveled a lot. Wow. So I, she got to be in these different countries. She's I mean, I think that's amazing for someone after like at, at such a young age, she got to travel the world. And that's amazing. You did amazing things. You know, like I, I was scared when I was 18. I was yeah, like, I don't want to go to these yeah. places. I don't want to go there, you know, by like myself, I'm scared yeah. by myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I yeah. definitely, it was definitely a series of events. So after traveling, you know, leaving Canada at 15 and getting to do that, um, then deciding to go to university where I'd have to, I did a year of university in German after learning it for two years in Canada. I That's was not crazy. ready. I was like yeah. with my little Volta book, my <laughs> dictionary, like what the, ha, I don't know. Okay. And yeah. now I'm like doing marketing classes and global supply chain management classes and all this stuff in German. That's I just amazing. remember I felt so cool because I was rolling my own damn cigarettes and smoking <laughs> in university. Um, but then I got to see a lot of Europe because my course we had friends in France and Austria and Spain right so we could visit wow. all of our little friends in our program and then that led me to get a, this job that you're referring to um, and that allowed me to really step out of my comfort zone because I wasn't choosing where I was going my company right. would choose and just plot me in a new country and not only that the job so this is an industry that doesn't really exist anymore. And at the time, nobody really knew what it was. It's called SAS, Special Advertising Sections. It was originated in Venezuela, which... Wow. <laughs> right? yeah. And then Spain kind of saw that, saw how successful it was. They started doing it. So I worked for a company uh, based out of Madrid. And um, basically all of these little companies get the rights to certain medias. So the one that I worked for had Forbes magazine, the Washington Post, the Times. In wow. The yeah. So they'd pick a media. They'd be like, oh, what's going on in the world? Okay. Greece is dying. Like Greece is failing right. as a country. Right. So they might send us there. Or um, if there's strife in the Middle East, they might send us there. So it's like, we what? always have to be on top of what's going on. And being honest, we don't really know. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really know what's going on so 
you know, they would just plop us in a new place. You have two colleagues, maybe you've never met them before and you go, you have to get a meeting with the president or the prime minister. Wow. Figure it out, bitches. Wow. Go do it. And then the women. So once I eventually got to the stage where I was the one in a position to be doing the selling, we're essentially selling very expensive advertising for well-known medias. Um, the woman does all the selling. It was a very sexist, um, buildup, but the men were just the researchers and would conduct interviews. The women always did the selling because it's quite an aggressive sell. You know, we're there oftentimes a hundred percent on commission. So if you don't sell, you're not making no money. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, sometimes you have to, you get a little bit desperate and I have seen, so when I was being trained and I'm watching other females do the job, mm-hmm. I've watched this woman walk around a boardroom table and he had agreed to buy an ad. I think he was going to give her like $30,000 American for an ad. And she was like, she wanted 5,000 more. I don't know if there was a bonus, if she hit a certain sales yeah. target or I don't know what was up. I watched this woman follow him around, begging him 5,000 more, please, please, please just give me 5,000 more dollars. chasing him around the table. I was like, I am never oh going God. to do that. I, yeah. I, I, I don't even understand what we're doing. What is the job? What yeah. am I doing here? <laughs> like what the fuck is going on in here? Yeah. Literally, yeah. literally. I did not understand the job until the third country that they sent me to did not oh, have. Wow. A- yeah. Oh, wow. I, I think, got very uh, lucky. I got very lucky. So some people got sent to like Saudi Arabia or like a place. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, especially as it's a woman, not good with female. Women. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I got very lucky. My first destination was Jamaica. Nice. Oh, wow. Nice. Kingston. Kingston. Nice. So, okay, mom, not nice. No, no. Not yeah. Nice. Not, not as nice. Yeah. At the time that I went, I was sent there in 2007. It was the most dangerous city in the world. Yes. <laughs> yes. Good stuff. Um, and then I, uh, they sent me to Casablanca, Morocco, then Ooh, to lucky Lisbon, you. Portugal, to Beirut, lucky Lebanon, you. Uh, to Istanbul, Turkey. And Ooh, I oh, heard that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want to go is. to all those places. Yeah, yeah I really wow. lucked out. I got, I got really good countries and destinations. And, and you, you know, got to go to Egypt too. A lot of probably yeah. uh, some great, you know, um, stuff for your comedy stuff. You know what I mean? Like I just, she's so well, um, yeah, well exposed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yep. just, it's ridiculous just hearing it she right is. now. Cause yeah. in multiple, uh, layers too, cause your age, you're very young, um, yeah, and you're still. experiencing oh, this. Say that, say that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very young, very it. young. I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, my hip. I went out for <laughs> one hour and I tried to dance. And now my hip hurts, guys. (laughs) Oh, by the way, she's an amazing dancer. She can dance, like really, really dance. Like seriously. Have you seen me dance? Oh, I've seen your videos. She (laughs) voyeurized you. I I was stalking you, you, okay? Because I'm like, God, this Korean girl, I want to be like her. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think, yeah, Seriously. like if you think about it, she was uh, she started her explorations of life so young at 15, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has an astute uh, observation of the world. 
She yes. has a professional observation of the world. Yes. Uh, she's intelligent to take all of that data and then now formulate it into comedy. And she knows the rights and wrongs. You know, it's just, just hearing it, it's pretty damn, it's pretty damn impressive. You know, I knew a little bit about Simone. I've seen a couple of uh, one or two of her shows and it was just like, hey, she's funny. You know, she's uh, definitely got a style about her that, you know, you don't see in too many local female comics. Yes. So it's just like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this, you know, this lady's funny. And then now hearing it today, I'm just like, wow, she's also very worldly. Mm-hmm. You know, she world. can, she could definitely take things from her experiences and bring it in. And us locals, we sit in there like, do I laugh? What, what was that? It's like, <laughs> that was a little too intelligent. What the hell did she yeah, too say? Intelligent. That's too funny. Istanbul, I've heard of him. He's like, no, it's destination. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, because it, I mean, it leads to so many stories, which leads to comedy gold. Yeah, exactly. So from a lot of, there, you a lot know. of material. Yeah. Wait, wh- but so she has how- a lot of trauma in her life too. Yeah. That how did has you- happen? But how That's did you why get I'm like that? so crazy that comedy? she actually takes her trauma and she still can do the things that she does. Yeah. You know, like she, when you told me you went to um, this, she, she went to seven, she went to one of um, the Psy uh, seminars and like, she was like, oh, I'm going to be in LA and we're going to be partying. And I was like, wow, even after the trauma that you had in California, you are still willing to like go out and do stuff, you know, like it didn't hold you back. Like some people would be so traumatized. They will go out the door. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Reverse. I am super lost. How how did you get into comedy? Like where, when did you get into comedy? What was the first time that you got up there and, you know, did your stuff? Was it natural? Did you feel a little bit, you know what I mean? Like some people are natural. Some people are not so much. Okay. So the first, there's two things when I decided that I wanted to do comedy and Mm -hmm. actually went to pursue that. But the first time I ever got on an, on a mic, on an open mic, I was in California. I was on a Tinder date. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh! He took me to my first ever open mic. I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. And um, so basically, there was four white cis male military dudes that went oh. on back to back to back to back, yeah. and they all had material on brothels in Southeast Asia. And so I'm sitting there. I have no idea what an open mic, I don't know what's going on. And so like (laughs) white dude goes up, blah, 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 uh, Asia. Right. And I'm like, ugh, ugh, I don't like this at all. And then the next guy goes up and he's like, did I, you know, with these, uh, LBFMs, uh, uh, these little Brown fucking machines. I was like, ugh. and so I was like, Hey man, those women didn't choose that life. And I started like with my little yeah. quick yeah. Over yeah. my date looked turned around and he was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this is an open mic. These are comedians trying their jokes. And I was like, Oh my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And being so Canadian, I wrote my name down so I could publicly (gasps) apologize. That's awesome. It wasn't that like, Hey, I want to, I have a little bit of material. It was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, Oh my gosh. So I wrote my name. They gave me five minutes. I took the mic and I was, and I explained five minutes. 
yeah, they gave us five minutes and I literally was like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm so sorry. Like I'm from Canada. I didn't know what this was. And I didn't realize that was heckling. <laughs> so let me tell you about this attack at gunpoint that happened. It was not fun. I don't think it was oh my fun God. at all. I think it was very much a downer, but so that was the first time that was probably in 2015. Yeah. Wait, wait, how were you received? How were you received? Like yeah. when you had your open mic that were people like, whoa, she's freaking funny. She's, you know what I mean? I don't. I don't it think it sounded I, like no. I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with a hard exactly. pass on that oh, one. Okay. I don't think it was funny at all. Okay. And I don't think that's what I don't think I understood. I didn't I, like in my yeah. mind. Got it. I still yeah. didn't really understand that an open mic is for comedians to try to stop their stuff. Yeah. It was. I literally went. I apologized mm-hmm. for. Uh-huh heckling and I, <laughs> yeah. that I didn't know what that was. And then I just said, Hey guys, I'm going to tell you a story. And so I kind of told them and tried to make it a little bit funny, yeah. but really it was just like, it was in California. This traumatic event happened in California. Yeah. It, was, it had probably just happened. Oh, wait. So tell us what happened. Tell everybody what happened. Yeah. Oh, if, oh. if you're okay with sharing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I just feel like it's like, I feel like I've told this story so many times that I'm just, I'm kind of, please forgive me if I'm glossing over it, but um, I was in Long Beach, California at the time. Mm-hmm. And I loved Long Beach because there was like a lot of yeah. culture, yeah. right? It has the yeah. most Cambodians outside of Cambodia. It has, you know, America definitely breaks it down where it's like Cambodia town or like, you know, yeah. go to little Mexico. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure these are not the terms at all, but like mm-hmm. pockets, Mexico, yeah. Guatemala, mm-hmm. Cambodia, and you can get yeah. really authentic food. And it's like, it's really cool. Like Canada more, it's like interwoven. Yeah. But um, so I thought Long Beach was really cool. And they had really great, uh, like Latinas teaching Zumba and the classes yeah. were like a dollar. Mm. And then they had an actual capoeira mestre. So I was like, I'm moving here. This is oh, the best. she did capoeira too, right? Yeah. So just she, uh... having a mestre, by the way, Hawaii has the best, the best mestre, uh, mestre, Kenya and his whole family. Shout out. You guys are the best. Um, but I had never experienced where you actually have the top person teaching you every single day. So I was like, this is the coolest thing. So I like moved to Long Beach and um, find myself in a very messed up situation. So it was just, you know, I was there. I kind of felt like I had been drawn into this like culty, weird. It was not a good situation. Mm -hmm. And I knew I needed to get out. So that old job that I used Uh to do where they send me to all these countries I just reached out to them and I was like, mm, you know, I've been thinking that it's time for me to come out of hiatus and they're, they were receptive. Okay. What are you thinking? Where, where do you think the world, you know, what's, what's the pitch? What are you thinking? And I said, you know, the Caribbean sounds great. And they're like, okay, like, oh, yeah. tell me more. And mm-hmm. so I just like, I had met some random dude in LA and he was doing work in this Island called Dominica. Mm. And so I like did a little research. It's like the smallest, even just about as isolated as Hawaii, but tiny. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny island in the middle of the Eastern Caribbean between the two French islands of Martinique and Guadeloupe. And I was like, yes, I'm going to go there. And by the way, guys, I am still, I can't go back to the island of Dominica. Mm. Like I showed up at the prime minister's house. I was way too aggressive. (laughs) 
and he's been in power for at least like 17 years. It's a long story, but I can't go back there right now. Um, um, what were we talking about again? What happened the to you? One day so I'm like getting prepared to go to Dominica. They said, yes. And I had my passport on me. And at this time, I'm just traveling around the world with reckless abandon, just following my heart. I'm just doing whatever I want. Cause I had gifted myself that whole year to like, learn who is Simone Park. What does she like? What does she do? What, like, what does she not like? So that's why I went to Korea for the first time. I went to California for the first time, second time, third time, wound up staying there. And, um, so I'm walking down the street, minding my own business. And a man just comes out from behind and I had a ponytail because I had just been coming from Zumba class and he pulled my hair until I was down on my knees and a big black gun in my face. Mm. Oh, shoot. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, Canada, we definitely don't have experience with guns. So I'm just shocked, like down on my knees, gun in my face. Um, and he, I, I think he wanted to rob me even though I didn't even have my purse out. I had like, you know, one of those reusable shopping bags mm-hmm. yeah. with all the crap in there. So it's not like I'm like walking down the street with a nice yeah, bag. Yeah, with a Prada or something. Yeah, nah, nah, not at all. And um, so he, you know, staring down the barrel of a gun and he, he was just like, give me your shit. And I, my, my, I can't even tell you, I think it was a microsecond, like a split second. My mind just went through, okay, if it's Thanksgiving weekend in the United States, if he takes your passport, you're going to miss your flight to try and do this project. And you're going to be stuck here. You'll probably get your identity stolen. You don't even know your credit card numbers. Like it just went like so fast. I just filtered through the two scenarios of you give him your shit or you don't. Mm-hmm. And it honestly, it was my passport at, at that, that year was my free pass to do whatever I wanted. And if I lost my passport, I don't know what I would do. Um, so I said, no, I said, no. And well, first, okay. I didn't first say no. It's like my intuition also was like, uh, distract him kind of. And honestly, guys, this is not me speaking at this time. I don't know some entity guardian angel, something was definitely speaking on my behalf. So I remember, you know, I'm on my knees, he has a gun to my face and I was like begging him. I was pleading. And I remember I was like scratching at his jeans and his jeans were like so thick whatever significance that has, I have no idea, but he had these thick jeans and I'm kind of like, please, sir. And I kept calling him, sir. And, and he'd never been called, sir, a day in his life. No one's ever called him, sir. So I'm like, please, sir, you don't have to do this. Please don't do this. And he's just like, he was literally discombobulated. He didn't know what to do with that information. And then he kind of, he literally snapped out of it and it was like, give me your shit or I'm going to fucking kill you. Mm Oh my God. And I know this wasn't me speaking because this is literally batshit crazy. On my knees, gun to my face, give me your shit or I'm going to kill you. And I said, 
fucking shoot me then. <laughs> wow. Ah. Wow. I do that. Um, so then as the gun was hitting me, <laughs> you know, oh he started just um, laying his fists and the gun down on my face and head and I got knocked over and my inner voice is yelling. If you don't get up and fight, you're going to die. You will be dead. So I got up. Um, I called upon, you know, when I used to really be obsessed with boxing when I was like 16, my girlfriends pitched in and gave me a heavyweight punching bag uh, for my sweet 16. And I got up and I fought for my life. I fought this guy. We went punch for punch. Um, and I used to have a really, a really mean right hook. Mm-hmm. I was very, very scrappy and, you know, fighting a man, fighting anybody, like actually fighting somebody is really exhausting. Yeah. I yeah. have never been to fight. Oh, so yeah. And so I'm, I am exhausted. I feel like this fight is lasting. It seems like Forever. hours. Yeah. It's probably only been like seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, so I, I got very little left in the tank. I'm running on fumes at this point. And so I just mustered every ounce of power that I had left. And I threw the hardest right hook that I could muster. And I clocked him so hard in the face. And after I punched him, my hand kind of went towards his neck and with just my middle finger he had this thick chain on and I ripped that shit off of his neck with my middle finger and if you guys are familiar with hip-hop culture to snatch somebody's chain is a big big disrespect that is Mm -hmm. the biggest yeah fuck you you. and do that with my middle finger Mm -hmm. I feel like it was almost like a response to every man that has just been like, Hey, I want that. Or, you know, try to take something. And I was just fed up with the patriarchy and with any, yeah. And I just was like, fuck you. You don't get to decide. This is not your decision to make. Right. And I don't know what happened. It is unexplainable because he still had the gun. But as soon as I ripped that chain off, it broke a proverbial chain in this universal ripple. I don't, I don't honestly, guys, I don't know. I cannot explain, but I ripped off that chain. I flipped the script and he, he, like something in him shifted Uh and the energy between us. I now had taken back that power and he still had the gun. He still could have killed me, but he didn't know what the hell was going on anymore either because he had it, but he was definitely a little nervous. Mm-hmm. And I remember he had like, cause he had like picked up my phone in the scuffle. And a part of me after that was like, like that little bit of like, you know, badass gangster. Yeah. It was like, bitch, you better go get your phone. And I, I was like, wait, what? I don't care about the phone. Like, this is right. stupid. Just walk away. So I turned around and it still didn't even really register. And so I walked, I lived very close to where that had happened. And after the like gate closed, 
and I went upstairs and I got to the apartment and the door closed and was locked. Then I broke down. Then it had re- like, oh then it had, God, yeah. yeah. Then I realized how close I had come to yeah. avoiding death. Mm-hmm. Essentially. I think that was all adrenaline. Yeah, that's for sure. All of that was adrenaline. And wow. arguably, honestly, I'm, you know, I'm always questioning my relationship with organized religion Mm -hmm. um but honestly something something unexplainable there was some power that did not want me to die that day and I can't even I can't even verbalize it but it's just all these little things that were informing me I mean I guess it's me I guess it was like my self that went through my entire life experience in a nanosecond yeah but it's like honestly this that shit was so wild I don't even know what had happened truthfully wow that's that's crazy that is crazy and he probably was stunned because he was getting kicked out you know kicked like to shit by you (laughs) yeah yeah I always question because I was doing Zumba and Capoeira at the time Capoeira Mm -hmm. and I had just done a Zumba class but what if I had just come from Capoeira like yeah it could have been good. I could have really beat him up or I could be dead. Cause if I maybe yeah. pulled it different, I don't know. I yeah. mean, yeah. who knows? But yeah, that, that experience really, um, really, really messed with my head. Mm-hmm. I still went to, um, Dominica for that project. Wow. That's and crazy. It, yeah. But cause I knew I needed to now definitely get out of Long Beach. Yeah. Like, yeah. I definitely didn't want to be there anymore. Um, but unfortunately, when we experience something very traumatic, sometimes our brain, like that, that mammalian reptilian part of our brain that's there to keep us safe, it can't differentiate from, um, you know, it compartmentalizes. So if it was like a man that did something to you, mm-hmm. you might mm-hmm. be averse to certain type of men. And this yeah. happened to be a black man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I left the apartment, I don't think I like went outside for maybe a full day. And so the next day I'm going outside and the first black man I see, my body literally went through the same feelings and sensation as I was being attacked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was, I was terrified Yeah. and I had to rationalize with myself. Well, hold on that not every black man is going to hurt you. Right. And so I was having this internal struggle with myself because I knew that my body was having a response to a very traumatic event, but it was a response that would turn me into a racist person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when I went to Dominica, which is a country that has a lot of of black, black. I was just going to ask you. Mm -hmm. Yes, a lot. And I remember often consciously fighting, like trying to almost beat that fear out of me and forcing myself to surround myself, especially with black men and not being scared and just saying, no, just stay, stay out for another 10 minutes, be here. Um, No one's going to hurt you just, you know, and so I just, I just kept little by little, you know, basically reversing my body Mm -hmm. trying to turn me into a racist black man because luckily I did grow up 
you know, there was a lot of white supremacy where I grew up, but there was another black family and, or there was a black family, two Asian families, one black family, all white neighborhood, a lot of white supremacy. And I, that was kind of like, there was like a, a kinship there because they were the only other ones that were receiving yeah. all the racial, you yeah, know, non-white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So in my mind, in my, from my childhood, it was like, those, those were always my allies. Yeah. So I, I, I'm very proud of myself for, you know, cause how many times, I don't know if you guys have like dated a certain kind of person. I remember I used to hate Australian men for a really long time. And it's like, oh, really? there's millions of them. You dated one stripper, like, mm, you know, <laughs> on you, girl. that was on you. Right. So, right. I don't know, just all these things where I'm looking back mm-hmm. The sad part is that I was really, um, I was really proud of myself. You know, I, I thought this was such a, a, you know, amazing thing that I was able to recognize that. And I was able to work on reversing that. Um, but then I did size seven and yeah. there was this white couple that kind of, you know, kind of bikery white couple. And I was extremely triggered. And I realized in my life, anytime something happened, uh, that involved white people, I would immediately go back to a childhood experience where I'm like, they don't like me because I'm not white. And like, just, you know, and so I'm like, why did I work on it with, um, you know, black Black men, but not with white people. And then we went back even further to a traumatic experience where I was raped by my Korean friend's older brother when I was really young. And this is just something very new that I've uncovered. I definitely didn't do that with Asian people because I've been incredibly racist towards myself and Asian people. And so I was like, well, why? I guess it's because I was older, right? Mm -hmm. This thing happened in 2015. So I could, I could consciously make that choice to not succumb to be becoming a racist, but then Psy 7 managed to open up the floodgates that like, well, you kind of didn't really do that for white people and you really didn't do that for Asian people. So I was like, it's just a kind of shit storm of like, well, what is, what is my true emotion behind something? And do I judge a certain race, an entire subset yeah. of people one yeah. way because of something that happened when I was so young? It's just, it's a really interesting thing that I'm kind of navigating my way through. So, so when you, after Dominica, right. At what point did you get into comedy? Like, how did that happen? Okay. So after, um, Dominica, they're very like, say it right. Um, cause a lot of people think it's the Dominican Republic, Mm -hmm. but it's not Dominica. Mm -hmm. Um, after that, uh, I think I just kept traveling. So I had initially given myself 2015. And after that, I didn't want to go back to like real life. So I just kept kind of moving around and finding an opportunity. And I continued to travel and get out of my comfort zone and do these kind of bucket list type things. It wasn't until 2017. So now a full year has passed. Uh, 2016, I actually tried to kick the travel bug out of me and I entered into this thing called the world's greatest traveler, which takes you to 10 countries in three weeks. And you try to do all these little tasks and get, get awarded the title of world's best traveler. 
Um, I realized it was kind of a scam. And so I just bowed out and I was like, this is going to go to the richest person here because they can afford to do all these things. Yeah. Um, it did not work. <laughs> that did not kick the travel bug, but I was just toting around, taking on jobs that allowed me to go to different countries. And um, I did this, I, I did my first big public speech talk thing. And um, the first person to approach me was somebody who wanted to run to be president of Honduras and he wanted my help and I always when I'm faced with that kind of opportunity um, I always wonder is this a good person am I going to be helping the wrong side so then I said I need to learn Spanish so then immediately I get offered a position where I'd get to live in Colombia and Argentina for a month so I launched into learning Spanish mode went to those two countries and it was actually there. It was in Colombia and Argentina that I started to remember how much I love to make people laugh. So what happened was um, they said, if you want to learn a language, learn a song, like learn a song verbatim because you learn easier to a melody or uh, Mm -hmm. right. So I learned a song and they also said, get invested in telenovelas, like Mm -hmm. pick a show, watch it in its entirety, get invested. (laughs) You care what happens to Maria Mm -hmm. or whoever. And so I did, I watched two full telenovelas from Colombia because I was going to Colombia. And what happened was I started learning phrases and intonation that I thought was Colombian Spanish. So now they send me to Medellin and, you know, with all the local people who we were working with, I would try speaking Spanish, but it was telenovela Spanish. <laughs> they were like, you know, Simon, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, no, de verdad. Like, por qué? And they were like, okay. Like they were so, <laughs> but I was definitely speaking perfect Spanish just with this like, you know, this like weird, like, you know, big titty Spanish. I don't know. And so they thought it was hilarious. So I had all these Colombians in stitches. And so I would like, I would learn more. I would learn their specific slang. Uh And it's just really, you don't have to learn the whole language. You learn a couple key phrases or words. And if your timing is impeccable, you will fool everyone. So I started doing that. I was like, oh my God, look at how much I'm making these people laugh. Can I take this slang word, this slang word? And I was dropping that. I was like, fucking yeah. And everybody's <laughs> laughing. It felt so good. It took me back to my childhood where I loved making people laugh. So then they sent me to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And that supposedly had the first, the only English comedy open mic or comedy show, English speaking comedy show in, in South America. And so I immediately said, I want to go perform. I don't want to, I don't want to go do a mic. Right. It was just like, I just want to A to Z just, yeah, I just want to perform. So, you know, I was busy because I was actually working there and I didn't get to go, but I made my way back to Toronto. I immediately signed myself up into stand up level one at the second city And after I did my, like my first performance, uh, my graduation at the second city, and then someone came to that and asked me to do their show. So I basically did like three performances and I was like, I am ready for Asia. And I moved to Korea. I was like, Korea is ready for my jokes. And I just (laughs) 
literally like three days into comedy, moved to Korea, started doing comedy there um, in, in English. And um, I started getting really more involved in uh, volunteering with North Korean refugees. Yeah. Which was very, very uh, fulfilling for me. And I got to, um, so another Tinder guy, I like matched with this like real Korean guy. And he said, nice. what do you do? And I'm like, Tuesdays, I have a comedy open mic and I, um, and I volunteer uh, at a, with this American pastor and we like sort tiny little vegetable seeds into these little bags, like little drug bags. <laughs> and we have these tiny little instructions in Korean telling them what the vegetable seed is, how to grow water it. and take care of it and grow it. Um, just because so many North Koreans still to this day die of starvation. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, um, and then we, some, they'd somehow get it smuggled through China into North Korea and distributed out. So that, those were my Tuesdays. And he was like, can I, can I come? And I said, sure. And that was the first time. Cause it's all, it's all white people. It's yeah. all Americans. It's all like who the, all the volunteers, except for me. Um, there's no like Korean people from Korea, from South Korea that were there. So now I bring this Tinder date. He's fluent in Korean and we had brought some of the people, the defectors that we had saved, that we had funded their rescues. Nice. And so now there, we have real North Koreans. It's the first time that we're interacting. And now I've brought our translator. This this guy actually speaks Korean. So he's translating these stories from these North Korean. I'm fucking crying into this. Like, oh my God, like what they've been through. This is crazy. So I said, Fuck it. We're, we are going to help. We're going to save some more of these people. And, and, and so I, you know, I said, I want to do a, um, I want to do a fundraiser and we just, we literally just were like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And then, nah, 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 nah. so we put together this fundraiser, we called it one and W O N, which is the Korean money, the money one, one yeah. person. And I, you know, my friend had a bar. We were going to do it there. I found some comedians and some musicians. And I just walked into every bar, restaurant, establishment in Itaewon, in Gyeonggi-dan, like this like triangle of where all the military and English Military people, yeah. And I made them give me money. Oh, wow. I was like, we're going to have like a raffle or whatever. We're going to give out prizes. And do you not care about North Korean lives? Yeah. (laughs) And go, you know, just take it and go. And I didn't even speak Korean, but I just really wanted to do that. Um, And the guy, the Korean, the Tinder date, he, so South Koreans are kind of very about their image. So I'm thinking this is just like a cool guy. He cares about the North Koreans because he met them. Um, This guy shows up at our fundraiser. So I'm like running around, you know, T-shirt and jeans, classic comedy garb. And he shows up in a blue pinstripe suit (laughs) with a film crew. (laughs) I was like, oh, no heads up for Simone that not to look like a bag of trash. Cool. And so he's like making a documentary of like what a guy. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. So Korean, just like, but self-serving, <laughs> right? Super self-serving. Very self-serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely doing it to show, yeah, what a good guy he was. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was like, whatever. At least he did contribute. So, yeah, we we put this whole thing together. We raised a few thousand dollars and enough to fund um, eventually, like three. We got three North Koreans 
out successfully wow. and funded oh. their rescue. Um, so after That's that, amazing. I never really stopped. I started entering into competitions and festivals. I went to Thailand. I did the Bangkok Comedy Fringe Festival because Korea wow. was getting really cold mm-hmm. and I didn't want to do winter. And then I went back to Canada and I entered into this next best comic competition. So I was just doing things where at my level of comedy, I should not have even tried because I was way too young, but I just have these like, you know, cojones, (laughs) dragon cojones. Yeah, and I've never really looked back. And I guess in a couple months, it'll be five years that I've been doing That's wow, amazing. Simone, you you got a crazy story. I love it. And I love your comedy. I think you're a fabulous. You're a great dancer. You've got, I mean, like, you know, multiple languages. This is amazing. Hell yeah. She's, she's yeah. world traveled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, and that's why I had to have you on this podcast because I was like, gosh, just knowing your story is amazing. And I think it will help other women too. And that's what we want to do. Yeah, so, for sure. Let thank you so much find for her. being here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and where can we find you? Um, let's see. I guess I'll be around Hawaii for another couple of months, um, doing shows and just keeping it real. Uh, your but pod, your IG, yeah, you Facebook I and IG. IG. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> like Facebook is more just like it's more of a task to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, IG is probably the easiest way to find out where I'm going to be. Ooh, that's creepy. <laughs> For any men who would like to show up and randomly just be creepy, uh, you can find that out <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> what is your right? Instagram handle? At It's at sparkthepower. So Simone Park, first initial last name is Spark. Cute. That's a oh, cute I handle. Love it. That's a very Spark the power. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. And so we great would love you. to have you on again for sure. Yes. 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 <laughs> maybe we maybe this time we can do some of your comedy <laughs> on your next <laughs> one. Okay. No pressure. No pressure. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> We're gonna give you a heads up. On. Yeah. <laughs> you got the heads right, up so you. you know you can dress appropriately. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Nice. Listen, ladies, have a great weekend. Thank you for being on, yes. Simone. Yes, Simone. Thank Mahalo. you. Well, good, goodbye. Goodbye. Is that okay? That's fine. Okay, bye. Mahalo for listening to Creates Happiness Podcast with Nadine, MJ, and Marnie. Tune in every Friday and let us know what you think. If you have any questions, show topics, hit us up at createhappinesspodcast at gmail.com. That's Create Happiness with a Y.